Now, usually when I do my opening segments, I usually talk about, you know, news of the weekend or anything that happened during the week that I want I couldn't talk about during the week or I didn't want to talk about during the NXT review um, per se. But I know I wanted to do my top 10 stars of the future list for 2019 last Wednesday. But uh, if you did listen to the World Tag League review episode, um, I fucked around and forgot that World Tag League had happened last Sunday. So I pushed it back. And finally today, I have a couple days off of work. So I wanted to do this list today. And this is in no particular order. This isn't really like, you know, uh, countdown 10 to 1 or anything. It's just 10 you know, men, women, and and one tag team that I actually put on this list that I feel going into 2019 are going to be names we're going to be remembering at the end of next year, this time or uh, this time next year, I should say. Um, Some names you know, some names you may not know, and some names you pretty much may agree with me on some level. And my dog Marley is doing some weird shit. I don't know what she's doing. Anyway, um, I want to start off with Hangman Page. I have been saying for the longest time that Hangman Page is going to be a name we're going to be remembering next year. Um, I know he just had his match with Jeff Cobb for the ROH World Television Championship at Final Battle. Um, But this man, I believe, I would say ever since the G1 has been making a name for himself. And I did say that in my G1 Climax final review back in August that he is going to be a name we're going to be remembering going into 2019. And it's starting to come to fruition. Um, Now, I know that the elite have finished off their, you know, obligations to the company as a whole. So I don't know what their next move is going to be. It could be the all elite wrestling deal that is going down. We've been, of course, you know, I've been, you've been in the know, you've been hearing about all that. What Hangman Page has done for the past couple of months and what I've seen from him has been fantastic. He's been putting in a lot of work, you know, in, you know, New Japan and Ring of Honor and all these indie promotions. I love Hangman Page. Like I said, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know that I'm a big supporter of Hangman. I love what he does in the ring. That buckshot lariat is just the stuff of beauty. And, you know, he definitely shows his aggressiveness in the ring, the way he carries himself when he go, uh, as on his entrance to the ring, his charisma. And I really think 2018 was a really solid year for him. Like I said, going back into the, to the G1, he really showed up and showed out in that tournament, even though he didn't really get to the, either, the, you know, the top of the card or, you know, main event status or anything like that. He is definitely one of those names where I feel he is going to be, you know, pushed a lot more in 2019. I definitely see him being in the G1 Climax again. Uh, if he sticks around with New Japan, I would not, I would not honestly not give him a spot. I would say if the top 20 heavyweights in the world don't involve Hangman Page, they're doing it wrong. Because he's really been kicking all kinds of ass lately. And I can see him in 2019 progressing um, like amazingly, 
tremendously any big work you can think of. I think Hangman hey Page is going to be a name we're all going to be remembering this time next year. And I say Hangman hey Page is going to at least evolve into a much better talent than he is right now. It's not to say he's he hasn't been good, but he has been very solid. His work has been fantastic. And I can't wait to see what Hangman Page does going forward, especially in 2019. Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, the current reigning NXT UK Women's Champion. I have said multiple times in the podcast that Rhea Ripley, in one year, has evolved big time. He is, she has truly evolved. I almost said he, my goodness, I'm going to slap myself for that later. She has truly evolved into one of the best heels in either NXT or NXT UK, period. Um, she really came into her own in the uh, Mae Young Classic tournament. I would say her match with Io Shirai was fantastic, even though it was in a losing effort. Um, we do know that Tegan Knox, you know, before she got injured, was the was supposed to be the one to beat Rhea Ripley and, you know, become be part of that final four. Um, it was an unfortunate leg injury that she had. Um, but that allowed Rhea Ripley to get another another chance to show her skills. And then being a part of NXT UK, being involved in the uh inaugural tournament to determine a the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. Um, she had a really good... I, I saw... When I saw the, the, the brackets when they first came out, I kind of figured it was going to be Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley in the final. I didn't really any spoilers on her or anything like that. But I figured if they, that was the route they were going, I was thinking in my head, Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley final... Sounds really, really good. Um, and then my personal thought was they're going to have Tony Storm become the first champion. But they decided to go with Ripley becoming the first ever UK women's champion. Um, her her own evolution, uh, pun intended, has been fantastic. She went from last year's May Young Classic and was a solid baby face, had done some work in NXT, and then she went away for a little while. And that allowed her to transform into what she is now. Um, we know this coming Wednesday, she's going to be defending her NXT UK Women's Championship for the first time against Isla Dawn. And I'm, thinking, I'm expecting a good match out of her. Her as a heel champion works. Her as a heel works the way she's grown into that role fits so well for her and the way now that she has that weight of carrying a division on a brand that is developing especially heading towards their first takeover in blackpool in january shows that they have comp that the uk brand especially triple h has confidence in her to carry that division what happens at Blackpool, I don't know. You know, who she t- defends the title against, I don't know. I'm not looking at spoilers. I haven't really checked out spoilers of anything, and that's that's the God's honest truth. 
I do that same thing with NXT. I don't do spoilers. I don't check it. I just take it in for what they give me during that week. And we go from there. I think Rhea Ripley in 2019 not only comes into her own, but makes one hell of a statement on the NXT UK brand. Uh, I hope that at one point, you know, she does get into NXT and start starts going after, you know, going into the bigger names, the Yims, the Belairs, the Saints. Who knows what could happen with Ripley? But in, in 2019, I think Rhea Ripley is a name we're all going to be remembering at by this time next year. Bianca Belair, to me, is an interesting talent. She used to, be, I believe beforehand, she used to powerlift. I believe she used to be a gymnast as well. Um, her look is fantastic. Um, the first instance that I saw her was, I believe, last year's Mae Young Classic. The long hair, you know, the long ponytail, her using it as a weapon in the ring, uh, just adds to her whole dynamic of her. Uh, and she's definitely coming to her own. I be, like sometime, I believe it was like mid summer. She started becoming a little bit of a name. She started getting that bit of a push, not to the point where she became where she like who she is now, but now she's at a point where she is literally one three count away from earning a shot at the NXT Women's Championship at Takeover Phoenix. She's undefeated in NXT. Um, the growth, her growth has been well done. The way they've orchestrated her push on NXT has been fantastic. I have the highest hopes for her. And usually in my, with my standard of talents, the bar is very, I put the bar very high for certain talents. Bianca Belair in 2019 I can see her as NXT Women's Champion. If she's and she's been looked at as the next in line to become the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship if she does get through the Fatal 4-Way number one contenders match. And we don't know who the fourth participant is. We'll find out more than likely this Wednesday night, given the fact that next Wednesday is going to be the Fatal 4-Way number one contenders match. And it looks as if she's being the next one to take the challenge of Sheena Baszler and possibly be the flag bearer for the women's division, which I would have no problem seeing her make that leap to championship status. She works very well in the ring. She has strength. She looked good. You know, the, given the fact that, you know, and I'm not saying this is because she's uh, Miss Mon- Mrs. Montez Ford at all. She holds herself very well in the ring, and they've and I like the fact that they've kept them separate. You know, having Montez Ford do his thing, Bianca Belair doing that thing, but seeing her in the ring and seeing what I've seen from her, you know, her face, and of course beating me the names like Mia Yim, it is it, definitely it definitely shows that they have confidence in her to see her get to that next level, and I think she'll be at that next level. I really think she does, and. Seeing her with NXT Championship Gold is not out of the question for her in 2019. Now, if she does get, like I said, if she does get past that Fatal 4-Way, her and Shayna Baszler, I think, can put on an excellent match for that NXT Women's Championship. It remains to be seen, but 
Bianca Belair, I think in 2019 is going to be, like I said, and I'm going to say this with everybody on this list, is going to be one to remember. And, you know, the EST definitely, I think, will show and prove come next year. This next guy actually earned my respect for him. And Jordan Devlin, the Irish ace, I think is going to be someone we're going to be talking about in 2019 for sure. Um, I can, I know I don't really watch much of the UK indie scene besides, you know, progress. I keep up with uh, progress in ICW and all that. And he's done, he's done some shows for uh, progress, ICW, OTT. I like this guy. He had to earn that, though, with me. Um, I, re- I said it a couple weeks ago on Twitter that, you know, I'm warming up to Jordan Devlin. Um, he's a great heel. He has that heel look. Um, he works very well in the ring. I think most recently his match with uh, Flash Morgan Webster was really good. Uh, his matches with Leggero. Um, his promo work, of course, is getting there, you know. Uh, the one joke that he said about Leggero, you know, he, oh, like, who is this guy? He's from fucking, he's from Leeds. You know, that made me chuckle a little bit. Um, just the way he carries himself in the ring, you know, his match with Pete Dunne was absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you didn't check out that episode where I talked about Devlin versus Dunne, uh, do not uh, hesitate to go back and check out that episode. I believe that was episode, I'm trying to think it was. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's definitely in like the late 20s, early 30s episode. But definitely check out that episode where I talked about Devlin. I definitely gave him hella praise for his in-ring work with Dunn. And I think he'll be a name that's going to be on top of many lists for rising stars if they do such lists for 2019. Um, I definitely think he's still in the main event scene, main, you know, for the top title, you know, NXT UK. If they ever, and I've been saying this for a while, if they ever decide to have like a UK Commonwealth Championship, have that mid-card title, I would put Jordan Devlin on that short list to become that Commonwealth Champion. You know, because he has possible champion written all over him. He really does. Uh, I like, I just love how this man operates in the ring. Um, recently, I believe uh, he was involved in a six-man tag match. At, um, trying to, I can't think of the promotion. I'm so bad at myself. I think it was Fight Club Pro. If and if and if I got it wrong, guys, let me know on, um, on my Instagram and my Twitter, uh, and I'll give you guys that at the end of the show. But I want to make sure I got it right. He was in, I believe it was Fight Club Pro, and I believe it was him, Dan Maloney. I'm gonna really be mad at myself, and I can't remember the third name right now. But they faced British Strong Style in um, Losers Leave that uh, Fight Club Pro match, and the ending sequence. I saw the ending sequence for that. And he was in a doomsday device with Tyler Bate. Trent Seven had him up on his shoulders. And somehow, some way, he hit a Spanish fly off of Seven's shoulders. And Seven thought that Bate hit the clothesline and got the victory. But in the end, Devlin pinned Bate and ousted British Strong Style from Fight Club Pro. It's stuff like that that gets me excited about a person. He does, stand, he does standing Spanish flies like it's his day job. He hits them very well, very clean. I I, I just can't get enough. I really am, am hype on this guy. I think he's definitely going to be a name in 2019 that we're going to remember. 
I, I do wish at times, you know, 205 Live would do more, like, you know, have bringing in UK guys and stuff in there. And I would love to see a Jordan Devlin, uh, Buddy Murphy match. Uh, him versus Alexander or Mustafa Ali or something like that. Just have a little, uh, if one day they did like an NXT versus NXT UK crossover matchups or something like that, I would have Jordan Devlin on that list. Him facing like a Ricochet or him facing like an EC3 or someone like that. I think that would be something to watch because Devlin is, is that kind of guy that gets me hyped about NXT UK. He's one of those, he's one of those guys that we're going to be remembering in 2019. Millie McKenzie is a surprise for me. And you're thinking, who the fuck is Millie McKenzie? Um, she is actually a product of Pete Dunne, surprisingly. Uh, if you see her, if you follow her on Twitter, um, she's done plenty of pictures with Pete Dunne where he's just like stone-faced, doesn't really give a shit, and she's just all cheesy and happy. But this girl, and only I believe she's 19, and can hang with some of the best of them. She's a very, I believe she's just uh, either retained or won the Fight Forever uh, Women's Championship recently. I know she I know she had that. Her and Flip Gordon won titles that night uh, for a promotion. And I've seen her, I saw her against Ginny in the uh, UK Women's Championship Tournament. And she had a very good turnout. I think, you know, in 2019, she's going to progress a lot. And I know she's very young and the youth movement is there. And... For me to see a Millie McKenzie in the ring, you know, especially her, her recent tag match with Zaya Brookside um, was, was really good. I think she had a good outing there. I just think, you know, with this youth movement going on, the Velveteen Dreams, who's 23, Tyler Bate, he's in his early 20s, Pete Dunn, I believe he's like 25, 26, uh, you know, I believe Tony Storm, she's in her early, uh, I think she's in her early to mid 20s. This youth movement is going to be, like, just think about this. In five years' time, think about the people on this list and where you think they're going to be, and you go from there. And I think Millie McKenzie is going to be a name we're going to be looking out for a lot more in 2019. I think she'll progress very well in the NXT UK women's brand. Uh, she's a solid baby face over there on that brand, and I think she can definitely put some work in. Um, if they decide to ever give her a run for the women's championship, even if it's in a losing effort, I think McKenzie definitely is someone to watch out for. A little bit of a dark horse there. She definitely made my list late, late in the game. One, the only tag team that I have on this list may shock some, but I think they deserve it. And... It took a while for me to warm up to these guys, but for them to be the only tag team on stars of the on my stars of the future list should definitely say something about their work rate, their work ethic, the way they go about things, and that's the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, and I think the main reason why I have the Street Profits on the list, and not because they're the Evolve Tag Team Champions, and I love the fact that they're with that NXT and Evolve Wrestling have that little partnership with, you know, between Triple H and Gabe Sapolsky and ha allowing guys to go over there even when they're not, when they're not, you know, working or being involved in feuds on the on a certain brand and having them go over there and put work in. You've seen now Roderick Strong has been there, Cash is Ono, Velveteen Dream has been involved with matches. Um, but the Street Profits are, are, are that one team 
in the NXT Tag Team Division that I think, I hope in 2019 they start getting a push towards the NXT Tag Team Championships. I that's that's that one team besides you know War Raiders and I know they're out right now. So Heavy Machinery is getting the the look to face, uh, possibly face Undisputed Era for the tag titles going forward and uh, take over Phoenix. But Angelo Dawkins is part of the reason why I love the Street Profits so much. Angelo Dawkins had been in. I would guess NXT obscurity for the longest time. He was there. He was involved in uh, NXT for 2016-2017 was around the time I started noticing Angelo Dawkins. And he had been involved in tag teams, of course. But when they they put Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford together, I saw that chemistry instantly. But I wanted to I wanted to make sure in my mind I'm thinking all right this looks like it works, but I want to give it a little time before you know I let it just be I can be definitive and just say that okay that's a team I can ride with that's a team I would want to you know surround my division by as the flag bearers of my tag team division and I still in my head would love to see an undisputed era street profits match. I think that if you put like a combination of either O'Reilly and Fish or O'Reilly and Strong up against the Street Profits and have that be a build to something, a match, possibly the number one contenders match or something like that. I've had this in my mind for like a couple months now before they won the Evolve Tag Team Championships that they could have a banner year in 2019. And if they ever, and I'm sure they'll lose, you know, the tag, tag team gold and evolve because it doesn't last forever. Reigns don't last forever. The same Bruno San Martino with 1100 a reigns. It just doesn't, this doesn't happen anymore. I hope eventually in 2019, they come back to NXT and start gunning for those NXT tag team championships. They know now they can win gold. They can win gold. Even though they had to go outside of NXT to do it, which is fine. It's cool in my book. I can see them winning tag team gold at a takeover, whether it be in Chicago, whether it be in Brooklyn, or wherever they may have war games next year, or wherever Survivor Series may be next year. I can see them having NXT tag team gold and having a solid run with the NXT tag team championships. I believe they are that good. Those The chemistry between them, these two, is just second to none. And their body of work speaks for itself. They've had, of course, that feud with the Mighty that I thought was a really good feud. Um, I thought they were, after that feud with the Mighty, they were really going to start pushing them towards an NXT Tag Team Championship. But then, but then the War Raiders had a whole deal with them. So I was like, okay, you know, let them fall back a little bit. But I think there would be next in line. So I think as the only tag team on my Stars of the Future list, it shows that they have everything needed to become one of the best tag teams in NXT in 2019. And that's a good thing because that depth, I mean, unfortunately, you know, Nick Miller did get released from uh, NXT and I'm, I'm kind of concerned why as to why they just let go of Nick Miller and not just both of them. Um, I thought the mighty had something there personally. I thought they were a a solid heel tag team. They were going to use going forward, utilizing them, but I mean, I'm not triple H, so I didn't, I don't see what they see, but street profits, I think they're going to have a something to say in the tag team division for NXT come 2019. The King of Bros, Matt Riddle, 
former Progress Atlas champion, had a solid feud with Volter, I believe, uh, last year. Yeah, it was last year. You know, he had a great feud with Volter over the Atlas title. Fan, it was a stuff of legend. It was really, it was one of those feuds where I was just so happy to like just watch it. That's when I started really noticing Matt Riddle. Um, I know he's an, he was an, I did watch him. You know, he was an Ultimate Fighter, his early career in MMA, and then he switched over to the pro res- professional wrestling world. And of course, me being an old school guy, I'm just like, who is this? You know, MMA noob noob coming over to the you know pro wrestling ranks. But I really got my mouth shut real quick. Um, this guy has amazing ability. I think he's like in his late twenties, early thirties. I'm not exactly sure what his age is. But just the way he carries himself, and and I know he did, he's done a lot of stuff for he did a lot of stuff for Evolve before he went over to um, NXT. He did a lot of stuff with the Indies. He killed it in the Indies. He was doing great for himself. I still get concerned about him not wearing shoes, but that's fine. You know, as long as you don't get you know walk over glass or anything like that, that's fine. But this guy's ability in the ring is uh is just fantastic. Um. He can suplex with the best of them. He can fight. He has that MMA ability. So you already know he can throw hands with the best of them. You know, he's beloved already in NXT. His um his arrival was just when we when we heard the news that Matt Riddle was gonna sign with NXT. And when he made his, I believe it was at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn when he was there. The man came in flip-flops and, and, and a snapback with a suit on. And we are, I do we all know about his marijuana use. That's fine. All that, blah, blah, blah. You know, get past that. You know, he smoked. I seen it. It's, I didn't see it personally. But, you know, he looked like he, you know, at first initial use, like, I, he looked like yeah, he might have smoked the joint or two. Get past that. I care about what you do in the ring. And what he can do in the ring is second to none. Um, the fact that he's gotten to NXT definitely shows that they see something in Matt Riddle and they can do something with him. It's not like they're going to leave him out in the fold. You know, they're not going to leave him out in the cold and just being like, you know, we're going to sign you just to sign you. No, I think with Triple H signings, he, he sees the talent. He sees what guys can do. And he sees that, you know, yeah, you can throw a lot of money at a guy. And more than likely, you know, boom, I can just go to, I can move to Florida. I'm going to make a good living off of this. But I think with Matt Riddle, I can see he's definitely a solid mid-carder right now in 2019. He he has the ability to fight for that NXT North American Championship. I really do. I really do think that. Um, the way they initially brought him in with Cassius Ono was, was perfect. They did it the right way. They let him destroy Ono within five seconds. That was fucking funny as shit. That was great. Um, I saw him do a little live event with Keith Lee. I know he's he's been working with Keith Lee. He works at the NXT live events more so. And he's done, and he recently had a match with Punishment Martinez on NXT, who was actually the one who had trained Riddle. And I still love that little detail about that. A guy like Punishment Martinez trained Matt Riddle. That was fucking awesome. And I can appreciate little details like that. And his personality, his personality shows all day. 
when he's in that ring. The way he cuts his promos, he lets his personality shine. So laid back, so chill, but can definitely be a beast in the ring. So I think with Matt Riddle, he's one of those guys that right now he's lower mid-card, but I expect him to be at that possible contender for the NXT North American Championship towards the middle of 2019. He, I think he'll start contending for an NXT North mid-card, that mid-card championship. He has upper mid, he definitely, I'm not saying he doesn't have a ceiling yet. And I don't think, you know, with NXT guys, they should be have a, having a ceiling. They should let them shine as much as possible, especially if they believe in you. I think right now he's on the rise in NXT. And I can definitely see that in him. And I can't wait to see what they do with him in 2019. Mia Yim. This should be no surprise to anyone who has followed Mia Yim for her career. Of course, her being in uh, Shine and Shimmer. You know, her being involved in both uh, the first and second annual Mae Young Classics. Um, she puts on a solid match every single time. Um, I can say, like like Rhea Ripley, her transformation has definitely been a little bit different. I know last year she was definitely a solid babyface, and it's not to say she's not a, a babyface now. It's just the way she's transformed herself over the past year has been really, really nice. Uh, when they brought one, and this, I think this signing kind of came on a little under the radar a little bit. You know, when I heard about Yim being signed, it was actually from Keith Lee's Twitter account. You know, when she, you know, when he said, you know, congrats on me again, getting signed to the NXT and all that stuff. Like, they, I think it was immediately during the, I think it was during the May Young Classic, Triple, I saw the, actually saw the video after Keith Lee's tweet that, you know, the, the moment that Triple H said they were going to sign her to NXT. Just, you know, off that alone, I realized, okay, she's going to be someone that we're going to be talking about. And now the fact that she's going to be in the fatal four-way number one contenders match to determine who will face Sheena Baszler take over Phoenix shows the confidence that they have in her. I don't think it took long. It didn't take much longer after they had taped the um, Mae Young Classic. Uh, it was like right after that, she started coming on NXT programming. You know, of course, she faced Vanessa Bourne. You know, Bianca, she had Bianca, uh, match with Bianca Belair. You know, and even though it was a losing effort, it was a really good match between those two. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoy what Mia Yim does in the ring. Uh, and what solidified it for me was her match with Allison K during the Mae Young Classic. She's killed it. She really has killed it. And, you know, that match was just something... I appreciated a lot more, especially the spot that they had when she tried to go with a chop on Allison K and she slapped her hand on that ring, uh, that ring post, and she sold it throughout the rest of her time in this tournament, uh, eventually losing to Tony Storm. But the way she, you know, they kept that continuation of the storyline with her hand was really nice. Um, I like her in the ring. I like her look. I like her her new music the way she goes about it, you know, her being that blazing baddie, you know, it works for her. You know, the crowd's starting to get behind her now. And I enjoy what she brings to the ring. And I can't wait to see how she operates in that fatal four-way number one contenders match. Number nine, 
is a bit of a toss up to me because I have two names I can look at, actually three names I can look at right now and just pick up and easily have a spot for them. I was going to go with Zaya Brookside. I have her on the list, but I think I'm going to make a bit of an audible here. And I'm going to go with Taiji Ishimori of the Bullet Club OGs. And I'm going to explain why. Zaya Brookside is 20 years old. True. And I think, you know, she has that, she has the ability to be a star of the future for sure. You know, her dad, of course, a legend, Robbie Brookside. But I think right now with Taiji Ishimori, um, his moment is going to come at Wrestle Kingdom 13. And I think the way they've been, the way they've booked Ishimori going forward, you know, being the next challenger for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title helps solidify his spot on the list. With Brookside, she still has a little bit more time to work with. You know, she's she's young. You know, she's definitely the talent's there. She definitely and plus, you know, her being involved in I, with I, Io Shirai definitely a huge plus for her. Um, being involved against Ginny this past week on NXT UK, we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. She has time to grow. Right now, she has a, a, a I'd say another year or two. I think she's going to be a, a much more prominent name. Now, you're probably going to be thinking, why, why, why are you putting Mackenzie over Brookside? I think Mackenzie right now, you know, they, they I mean, she's gotten starting in championships. I know Brookside was a former IPW UK uh, women's champion. I know she had that belt, so they definitely have confidence in her and carrying a women's division. Uh, I just think right now with NXT UK, they're starting to build her up just a little bit. But that's at a point where it's going to be like, okay. Right now, 2019, it's going to be her year. I think she's got another year or two to develop before I can consider her a star of the future. That's not a knock on Brookside at all. She has the look. Can definitely work in the ring. The growth is there. It's just right now, I can say with confidence, Ishimori over Brookside. And with Ishimori, I think his moment was, you know, with the Super Tag League. Him and Robbie Eagles. Fantastic. They put in a lot of work together. Uh, Ishimori is definitely that heel guy that I like. Um, and I think that heel guy that we need in the in the junior heavyweight division right now. I know Kushida is the ace of that division. And I know that, you know, he's starting to be that, that true ace. But I think Ishimori is the one guy that I think can get a lot from Kushida. And that dynamic so far has been fucking awesome. And aligning yourself with the OG uh, BCs definitely fits him very well. You know, he his work with, you know, him being a never open weight uh, six man tag team champion uh, is definitely a huge plus and a definitely an accolade on his resume that I can fucks with. And I think Ishimori has that chance to become a big name in the junior heavyweight division. The way they've positioned him in that in that for that match against uh, Kushida definitely says a lot about Ishimori. And possibly we could see a new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion at Wrestle Kingdom 13 come January 4th. You'll find that out on my predictions for Wrestle Kingdom coming in a couple weeks. Finally, I'm going to round out this list with Switchblade Jay White. 
And it's mainly because his year in 2018 has been fucking glorious. You got to think, before he became the Switchblade, he was just a little young lion in the New Japan Dojo in Japan, right? Trying to make his way up into the ranks, finally graduates, makes his excursion and all that. Finally, he comes into his own as a heel. His return. I believe it was 2016 going into 2017. Something like that. It was really instant. And I liked how Jay Way operated as a young lion. I like the way he got down in the ring. I think he was just a solid hand. You know, could work very well with guys. And then when he became a switchblade, it instantly clicked with me. I love heels anyway, so it definitely helps the cause, for sure. But let's take into account what he did in 2018, okay? He was offered to be a member of the Bullet Club by Kenny Omega himself. He screws over Kenny. Which began the whole uh, infighting between the Bullet Club, between Cody and Kenny, right? He takes the United States Championship away from Kenny Omega in what I thought was a really good match between those two. I wish I had covered it, but didn't find the anchor app until earlier this summer, uh, in the middle of the summer. So, bees would it bees. But he, if, if you, if there's one match you would, I would say from Jay White, that would that would make my case. His match with Kenny Omega, I think, would make my case as to why he's going to be a star of the future. Especially for 2019. So he wins the United States Championship, defends it over the next couple of shows, starts a few with Juice, Juice Robinson, uh, loses the title there. I believe it was a uh, strong style evolved. He lost the title. Goes to the G1 Climax. I believe, yeah, and I believe he beat Tanahashi and Okada in the same tournament. Not for nothing, Tanahashi and Okada are who I consider the big four of New Japan, along with Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito. Those are the four top guys, I think, in that company that they have. And for him to, be, for them, for New Japan to have White beat Okada and Tanahashi in the same tournament speaks volumes about what they see in Jay White. I personally love Jay White. I think, like I said, me personally, I would have I'd uh, wanted to see him beat Tanahashi for the Intercontinental Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 12. I would have loved to see him see how he works as an Intercontinental Champion. But I think at that time, after I watched the match and realized maybe it wasn't his time, but he was definitely someone to watch out for. And then seeing what we had up to the G1 Climax. Then, and now, he's now ingrained. He's been ingrained in a a feud with Okada. I believe ever since the end of the G1 Climax and into Destruction in Kobe. He has been absolutely killing it with this feud. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do against each other in two weeks' time. I am very, this is one of those matches on the card. I mean, the entire card up and down, I'm super excited for. But Okada versus White 
especially with Gato, Okada's former cornerman, his mentor, his everything for the last six years, and then him turning on Okada to align himself with Jay White and become part of the Bullet Club OGs. It just speaks to everything that White is about. Um, I love his finisher, the Blade Runner. It's just very clean. He can hit it from anywhere. It works. His uh, ring work is is really good. Like I said, he's faced Okada. He won the United States uh, IWGP United States title. I'm very excited to see after Okada what the next step is going to be for White. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking now he may go for maybe the Never Open Weight Championship or he may start gunning for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. He has that chance. I think now he, you know, going with Okada, he is upper mid-card, uh, lower tier of the main event scene right now. I think he's hit that point. In one year time, he went from trying to beat Tanahashi to then beating Omega, having a great run in the G1 Climax Tournament, to now facing Okada in a main, you know, probably one of the, I'd say, the top four matches on the card. The feud has with him has been fucking spectacular. And he is second to none right now. I think 2019, he's going to show his ass off. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do against Okada. I don't know who's going to win that match, and that's the match. I, that's the kind of match I like. I don't know who will win that match between these two. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how or what he's going to do against Okada. Come Wrestle Kingdom. So that's my list. Um, I know I'm sure there's a lot of names that you're probably listening to. You probably have in your head as to who maybe stars of the future for 2019. You're thinking, oh, you missed it. You missed uh, this guy. Why didn't you put this girl in here? You know, why'd you only have one tag team? You could have a guy like this. And that's fine. It, it sparks debate. And that's why I love talking about wrestling so much. Because you can spark debate however you want to. Unless, unless it's a case you can't make, don't make that case. But I think the 10 that I have here are a solid 10. You may, and, and you can take any of the names out and just be like, hey, you, you know, maybe you missed on a, a Lacey Evans or you missed on a Ginny or you missed on a Punishment Martinez or you missed on a so-and-so or, you know, why did you stick to just, you know, NXT, NXT UK and New Japan Pro Wrestling? Or, you know, why didn't you check out more indie guys? Or, you know, this guy is, is really good. I think he's, he would be a good fit for your list. That's the point. I want to spark a little bit of debate between everything, you know. I want to spark a little bit of debate, you know, because there's so many names out there that it's hard for us to put into a top 10 list. And I'm sure when I do my top 10 uh, matches of the year for 2018, it's going to be the same exact way. It's going to be, why didn't, you know, why isn't this match on the list? That's fine. That's why we have social media to talk about it. And you can follow me at SwayeSenatorWWI on Twitter and at Young Lions, Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective on Instagram. Talk to me about it. You know, I just posted a video talking about uh, my PSA to the people of Sacramento tonight, you know, for uh, Vince McMahon's return to WWE to try and uh, bolster ratings. I want to talk about it. I want to create a dialogue that we can discuss and come to a conclusion. I want to hear your, your points of view on this. Hit me up on my social media, and then we can, you know, let's have a civilized debate. Let's not be goons about this. Let's not be douchebags. You know, you're getting blocked. 
but let's have a, a, a good conversation about who we think are going to be the next tier of men, women, and tag teams that are going to come to the forefront and names that we're going to be thinking about for the next year. You know, this is what it's all about. That's why I love professional wrestling so much because it can cause a good conversation amongst everyone who is a wrestling fan. Case in point, I had a conversation at work. I was talking to a customer. I was helping out and I was talking to him about, you know, me buying a Roman Reigns t-shirt for my mom for her birthday. Um, I don't like the character of Roman Reigns, but I respect Joe Anoa'i as a person, especially after, you know, of course, what he's done, you know, outside of WWE with his uh, Make-A-Wish efforts and all that. And, you know, the whole leukemia deal. And he said he loves Roman Reigns. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, I, I don't hate the man. I hate the character and how he was pushed. And he's like, hey, I can respect that. Civilized debate amongst people. That's what we need to talk about here. Let's not bring that dumb, you know, idiotic shit into the table. Let's not bring that to the table. Let's have a civilized debate about this. And we can go from there. I know this went a bit long, a lot bit longer than I wanted to. But that's how that's my top 10 Stars of the future going into 2019. This is episode 34 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues podcast here. Welcome to episode 34 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me today, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much, as always, for taking time out of your day, your night, your evening, your afternoon, whatever time you're checking out this episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. I greatly and truly appreciate it. And my dog doesn't know which spot to go up to. Want to go up? All right, be comfy. Good. All right, we're good. Sorry about that. Sometimes Marley's got too many spots to sit in in this apartment, and she can never decide which spot she wants to sit in because she thinks she's a little spoiled princess, aren't you? Uh, anyway, um, I hope you guys enjoyed that opening segment talking me talking about my top ten stars of the future. I want to do a little something different and out of the norm. I usually, like I said in the uh, in the beginning. Of that segment, I talk about news and stuff I'm just really pissed off about or something that grinds my gears. I wanted to do something a little bit different for you guys, you know, spark a little conversation amongst us. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, you know, trying to put that together. And definitely that was a really nerve wracking time trying to figure it all out and trying to figure out the 10 I felt who I thought were going to be a big deal going into 2019. Now, like I said on there, I probably missed some names. Some names you may want on may want it on the list. I uh, didn't put on there, and that's fine. That creates conversation. That creates debate. And if you want to hit me up on my Twitter or my Instagram and talk about it, be civilized with it. State your case. Be respectful. Or you're getting benched. Or you're getting blocked. Or you're getting sent to the sent to the back, ejected. But with that being said, let us begin talking about NXT UK now. We are about, what, four weeks away, three or four weeks away from Blackpool and the the first NXT TakeOver. And they finally came out. Like, we we already have, you know, Pete Dunne with the WWE United Kingdom Championship. Rhea Ripley is now the NXT UK Women's Champion. 
and they finally unveiled the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. I love these belts. They look so effing clean. And I love how each title, I mean, albeit all three, all three sets of the belts have, a, have a, the same kind of look. They all look a very distinguished. You know, they look very proper. They look clean as fuck. And I love how these belts look. And I can't wait to see who will be the first holders of the crown. Um, I think I stated on Twitter, I like these belts over every set over set of belts that either NXT or the main roster has right now. Maybe it's just because it's the new thing. You know, it's NXT UK. It's new. It's something different. But I just love the look of these belts. All three. The UK uh, Championship, the UK Women's Championship, and then the UK Tag Team Championships. I love all three sets. And the tag team titles look so nice with the black strap, a little bit of blue in there. It looks very clean. So when they announced that, I was very hyped. It was a long time coming. We knew it was going to be happening. We knew it was coming out. Don't mind me. I'm just taking my bracelets off from the gym. Um, and they look really nice. But enough about talking about belts, because we don't know who are going to be in the champions just yet. And let's get into episode 15 of NXT UK. Um, is there ev- is there a better opening match giant right now than Fabian Eichner? <laughs> I love Fabian Eichner in opening matches. It looks so good. And he, of course... Uh, was challenged, uh, you know, he challenged for Flash Morgan Webster to a match uh, after Webster's uh, media obligation. I believe it was a couple uh, episodes ago. Um, he told Webster, if you know, of course, of his actions against Mark Andrews in their match. Uh, I believe it was like episode 13 where they had a one-on-one match against each other. And, Morgan, and Webster didn't, took a little bit of offense to that, to what he did to, Andrews, his tag partner. So he wanted to go after him. And I, this match was not, it was not as good as the match he had with Andrews, but it was, it was pretty good between the two. So let's just get right into it. Don't mind me if I sniffle a little bit for the third time in two months, I have somehow have a stuffy nose. So if I sound a little bit different, that's why. So immediately, uh, the bell rings and flash circles with Eichner. Eichner surprisingly, Offered a handshake to Webster. Flash denied that with a kick right to Eichner. Immediately goes for the roll-up and they get a two-count. Um, Eichner goes, gets into a corner. Runs back out to power to power Flash to the other. Uh, Eichner swings, but Flash ducks it to fire back. Uh, he then keeps on... Uh, Flash actually kept on Eichner, but Eichner kept shoving him away with every attempt at an attack. Uh, Flash then gets moving and arm drags Eichner. And now, if you saw this episode, Eichner's not a small dude. Like Webster is. Eichner's a big guy, you know. So the, for him to dra- arm drag, you know, Eichner down, it definitely shows a little bit of his uh, power in there. So Webster went for an Irish whip, but Eichner blocked it with some power. Uh, Flash puts up boots. Uh, Eichner then deflects those, and then but then Flash comes back with another arm drag. Uh, he then stands up as Eichner runs in, but Flash dumps him out to the ringside. Uh, fans fired up as he tries to go, uh, as he goes for the outside, slingshots out. Eichner dodges and shoves Flash into the steel steps just the same way he did to Mark Andrews. Uh, it looked as if he was about to do the same thing that running knee to the head of Andrews when out of no out of nowhere, pretty much he ran down the ramp. Eichner 
was surprised to see Mark Andrews come out in support of his tag team partner. So it gets to uh, the five count at this point. Flash gets up. I believe Eichner's are up right back in the ring. Flash got in and Eichner's right back on him. Uh, punching and stomping away in the corner. Uh, referee has to back him up a couple times. Uh, goes after him with clubbing forearms. He then gives Flash a European uppercut to the back that looked really menacing and really, really nice. Um, Andrew starts rallying the fans behind Flash as he, uh, of course, goes for the nerve holds, trying to keep him grounded. Um, the ending of this match was really, really interesting, and I really like this. Um, so Flash, as Flash and Eichner slowly stand up. Uh, Flash runs in, in uh, tilt worlds but Eichner makes it a snake eyes in the corner and then clobbers Flash with a clothesline. Uh, Eichner crawls over to get the cover and that only gets a two count. Uh, Eichner was very surprised by that two count. He thought that was pretty much it. Uh, Flash then dragged himself into a corner. Eichner runs in but ran into an enziguri. Uh, he staggers uh, he staggers away a little bit, uh, trips Flash up on the ropes. Uh, then he hits a suplex and hits a brain buster. Surprisingly, that only got a two count. Andrews once again tries to get the fans to uh, rally behind uh, Flash Morgan, but Eichner gets up first. He drags Flash up and tells him to stay down. Uh, he then uh, gets hit with a headbutt, followed by another headbutt, and Eichner slumps down to the mat. Uh, Flash goes to the top rope, takes aim at Eichner, but Eichner immediately rolls away. He then goes all the way out to the outside. Flash starts heading, uh, head, heads over. He trips Flash up to drag him out and throws him right into the barricade on the outside. He presses Flash against the steer steps, goes for the running knee again. Andrews comes over and stops Eichner short. Uh, so Eichner doesn't want any of that, anything like that. Uh, Eichner then puts Flash in the ring, tells Andrews to watch this. He goes up for a powerbomb, but Flash actually gets the roll-up, and surprisingly, he gets the three count and beats Fabian Eichner. A little bit of revenge uh, and to avenge the loss for Mark Andrews after his match against Fabian Eichner. Eichner was beside himself after the match. He, he couldn't believe. He was he was truly dumbfounded, and he couldn't believe that Flash Morgan Webster got the victory over Eichner. I'm not sure if this will continue going forward between uh, all three men, but a little bit of a redemption for the tag team of Webster and Mark Andrews. So we go to a backstage interview with Amir Jordan. And, of course, Amir Jordan has a tag match with Kenny Williams. All smiles because he's in NXT. And he says that he and his uh, brother from another mother, Kenny Williams, have a chance at revenge against Zach Gibson and James Drake. He says it's also a chance to get in the running for the tag team titles and that everyone should be excited. He wants to, uh, he starts dancing, trying to get Radzi in a, you know, a Bollywood mood. Radzi's a bit reluctant, and then Kenny Williams comes over right after that. He says there's a time for dancing and there's a time for fighting. He says that they, these two deserve to be contenders. So that means be serious and get lucky. Amir Jordan walks off right after that and he looks over at Radzi and says he should be ashamed of himself. So uh, a little bit of a uh, nice little segment between Jordan and Williams with Radzi. And I do like me some Radzi, man. Uh, I like him doing his backstage stuff and I like the fact that he's the only one conducting backstage interview. Sorry, I had a little something about that to flick out. Um, so right after that, we had a Gallus backstage. He says, uh, Wolfgang, now it's Wolfgang and Mark Coffey saying they have Joe Coffey, they have, they have faith in Joe Coffey to uh, go up against Trent Seven. Um, he said there won't be any big strong boys today. Joe said he will get rid of Seven and then they can squash Travis Banks. 
then they'll easily get those NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Before he ends the segment, he says that Gallus is as Gallus does. Of course, being confident in everyone, you know, be confident in yourself and we do what we do. I, like I said, I love me some Gallus. I like the way they conduct themselves. I like the way they do things in the ring outside of it. And they're that going to be that heel stable going forward. We then get into Isla Dawn versus Killer Kelly. Uh, this is a nice, now, Isla Dawn, I do like her. I like, like I said, I like what she does in the ring. I like how she can, you know, did things in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, and Killer Kelly has been someone I've been keeping my eye on, not because she's the only Portuguese uh, lady uh, talent in NXT UK, not because she looks all types of goods. And I follow her on Instagram, not that I do that sort of thing or anything like that. I'm just keeping up, you know, for purposes of professional wrestling podcasting and talking. Hey, God damn it, she's attractive. Fuck y'all. Um, she, you take one look at her, you follow her too. Shut up. But uh, this was a nice little quick match between the two. Um, immediately, both uh, the fans were fighting up for both ladies. They do like the these two uh, in NXT UK. Of course, you know, them being in the European scene. Uh Isla immediately swings, and now these, now this was like, the start of this match was really interesting, uh, for the simple fact that this, like, kind of started off to be, like, a little bit of a kickboxing match, I mean, I know, I've said, uh, once before that Dawn is a product of Aleister Black, and of course her kickboxing background shows for that, and Killer Kelly has some experience in, I believe she has some kickboxing experience as well, so Isla immediately takes a, uh, takes a kick at Kelly, uh, Kelly checks that a little bit, takes it in stride, Kelly catches the next kit and goes for a face lock, but Eiler uh, counters it down to a takedown and a toe hold. Uh, she then goes for the cover. And that only got a one count, so Isla drops a knee. Uh, she then keeps wrenching, but Kelly keeps her shoulders up. Uh, Isla then stomps the leg and then throws it down. Kelly clutches her knee, but doesn't back down. So already, immediately, she's going after that leg. Uh, they circle again, and Kylie avoids, uh, avoids, where's her heart? Uh, Kelly avoids Isla's lunge. She then catches Isla the second time and starts clubbing away at Dawn. Uh, she then suplexes Isla immediately into the corner. Isla then sits up in the corner. Kelly runs to the other side of the corner, hits a basement dropkick on her, drags her to the middle of the ring, goes for a, uh, a cover. That only got a two count. She starts uh, gritting her teeth as she puts Isla in a cravat hold. Uh, Isla endures the hold, of course, manages to stand up. Uh, she then kicks the bad leg again, going for the, mainly the hamstring, and pries Kelly's fingers apart. Fans start getting fired up behind Dawn as she kicks Kelly some more. Uh, she hobbles away still, but tries to come back on the attack. She then counterpunches Kelly and then kicks the leg out of Kelly, showing the amount of damage that happened to that leg, kicks her leg out of her, and she falls to the mat. Kelly gets back up, but gets a snapback suplex for her troubles. Uh, Isla then summers her powers, and as Kelly stares at her running her down, hits a running knee, then hits the half-hat suplex that she calls Call of the Quarters, and that was enough to get her the victory on NXT UK. Um, this was a nice little match between the two, but definitely more so to push Dawn as she heads into her possible UK Women's Championship match. Right after the match, Rodzi comes into the ring and asks her, what's next? She says that her eyes and desires are set on the NXT UK Women's Championship. Fans, of course, definitely get behind her, and out comes Rhea Ripley. She mockingly applauds Isla, but tells, but Isla then says to Rhea that she may be so confident. She's saying, but why don't you step inside this ring with me, with that championship on the line? 
She says that she vows Rhea Ripley will walk away empty-handed. Rhea then holds up a title because it's still her belt, and um, it was made, uh, I believe this coming Wednesday, we are going to be getting that UK Women's Championship match, Rhea Ripley in her first title defense against Isla Dawn. So it's really, I, I can't wait to see how this match goes about. This should be a, this will probably be the main event, Um, either going to be in episode 17 or 18, they're probably going to do it for 17, since they've been really pushing it, Uh, but this is a match I'm definitely wanting to see. Uh, it should be interesting to see how these two work well to work with each other. Uh, like I said, I'm really excited to see how Dawn and Ripley work with each other. Um, if I had to predict it right now, it's too early for Ripley to lose the belt. So I got Ripley beating Dawn, but I expect a really good match out of these two. So right after that segment, they uh, catch the UK media talk to Dave Mastiff. Uh, he has been undefeated in NXT so far, and they ask him what's next. They say, like, the natural progression, of course, is the title shot. But Eddie Dennis walks over. He said that he heard reporters about reporters wanting to interview the undefeated monster of NXT UK. But apparently, he didn't get the call. They meant Mastiff. But he's not the only one who is an undefeated monster. Mastiff then tells uh, Dennis, if he wants, you know, to prove his worth, settle it in the ring. And that after smashing through him, there will be only one undefeated streak in the UK. So that set up a match between the two. And Johnny Saint made it official that in episode 16, it would be Mastiff versus Dennis. And we will we'll be talking about that in a little bit. So following that, we had, of course, Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams in a rematch against the Grizzly Young Veterans. And I believe this is actually the first rematch uh in nxt uk and i'm really i was like i said i'm really of course happy to see the girls of young veterans doing their thing they're gonna be a big name in the tag team division and i think jordan and williams they're like the weird odd tag team that you didn't know you wanted until you saw it uh it kind of uh, kind of reminds me of the days of like like the attitude era where they just had tag teams like um i would say like dude love and stone cold steve austin or the um, uh, let me see, I'm trying to think, it was, a uh, yeah, Dude Loving the Rock, or Mankind, actually, no, it was Mankind and the Rock, they were that odd tag team that was just really weird when you saw it, but when the, the Rock and Sock Connection came to be, and they started, and they won the tag team championships, they became a really big fucking deal, and I really enjoyed, you know, what they did with each other, so, of course, like I said, uh, this is a rematch from their match a few weeks ago, and, of course, immediately the fans start chanting, if you hate Gibson, shoes off. And of course, you know, Gibson started to be beside himself, not having any of that. Jordan actually started with Drake this time, I believe. Yeah, Jordan started with Drake. Drake immediately gets a waist lock, but Jordan prizes his way out of the standing switch and roll up. Uh, actually, went for actually with the roll up, got a two count. Jordan arm drinks Drake down. Drake down, I should say, I beg your pardon. Uh, he holds Drake down. His fans start singing again. Uh, if you hate Gibson, stand up. I think it was the, uh, no, actually, no, it was the hate Gibson shoes off again. And Gibson, of course, trying, you know, talking shit to the fans and trying to, you know, say, I can't hear you or anything like that. Uh, Drake powers out of things and starts speeding things up. But Jordan hits a cross body that was really nice. Uh, he then hits a jackknife and then goes and gets a two count. Jordan then wrenches and tags in Williams. Williams springboards in for an axe handle and starts firing up haymakers on Drake. 
Drake shoves Williams, but Williams then came back with a back elbow, and that surprisingly got a two count. Williams keeps Drake down with an arm lock. Drake then gets up, but Williams wrenches that arm, tags Jordan back in, and they double whip Drake into a hip toss. Gibson runs in, but the referee sends Gibson right back out. And she ran into uh, for the save. He gets sent to the outside, and Jordan and Williams actually hit a double suicide dive to the outside. That was a very, very nice spot there early on in the match. Uh, Jordan brings Drake back into the ring, climbs up top, and hits another big crossbody, and that got a two count. Fans start chanting, if you hate Gibson, stand up. I can't get enough of that chant. I just can't get enough of it. Uh, Drake is then in an arm lock by Jordan. Gibson starts throwing things at Jordan. Jordan glares over but keeps hold of Drake. Uh, Drake then powers out of it to throw Jordan out and finally tags in Gibson. Gibson then grabs Jordan and Drake slingshots out for an elevated knee drop sidewalk slam. That was a very, very nice spot there. These two, of course, if you've seen them in Progress Wrestling, they work so well together. They are fantastic. Uh, The former Progress Wrestling uh, Tag Team Champions as well. So you know they got some championship credibility. Uh, Jordan, of course, writhing in pain. Uh, Grizzly Young Veterans are starting to soak in the heat from the crowd. Uh, Jordan's starting to eat uh, European uppercuts before putting him back into the ring. Uh, he brings Jordan up to reel him in for a clothesline. They then go back. Fans start going back to the chant uh, of taking their shoes off. Gibson tunes it all out. Uh, Jordan starts hitting, uh, starts going back at Gibson, but Gibson decks him, goes for the cover, and that only got a two count. He keeps on Jordan with a cobra clutch and starts thrashing him about. Uh, Jordan endures all of it. Uh, Gibson shifts then uh, into a chin bar. Now, the end of the match scene, uh, Whips, uh, Williams actually eventually got back in the ring. Um, he went at Drake with a fireman's carry, but Drake slipped out to forearm Williams down to the mat. Uh, Williams staggers back. Jordan gets tagged in for the hot tag. Gibson then uh, tags Drake, but Williams boots him out of his his boots, literally. Jordan then somersaults for the complete shot, and that surprisingly only got a two count. He keeps focused and tags back Williams back in. Uh, Gibson hits Williams, but walks into a fireman's carry. Uh, he slips, oh, Gibson then slips out, holds Jordan for uh, Drake to hit him with the end of Gory. Gibson then jumps Jordan right out of the ring. Williams returns back into the ring. Gibson tags in Drake. Uh, Williams dodges Gibson's attack, hits Drake, uh, but sent, and then sends Zach Gibson out. Drake goes after Williams, but catches a boot to the face. He wrecks Gibson with a drop kick. He then skins the cat into uh, a gut-red suplex by Drake. He tags him Gibson. They hit Ticket to Ride, and that was enough to get the Grizzle Young Veterans the victory. That makes two wins for Gibson and Drake, and both wins going over Jordan and Williams. Of course, the fans booing right after the match. They are definitely going to be names we're going to be looking for if NXT UK Tag Team Tournament does come about. I'm assuming they're going to go with a tournament to determine who will be the top tag team in the in the brand. So backstage, we get Tyler Bate and Trent Seven talking to each other. Uh, Bates says he knows that Seven will put down Joe Coffey, and then they can go after the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Uh, he then immediately compliments his uh, nice shirt. Um, they both wear the same shirt, so Seven, of course, compliments his shirt right back. And then we get ready for the main event. Trent Seven with Joe Coffey. This was a fucking solid match. This was probably 
like I said, of all like main event matches on NXT and NXT UK never seem to disappoint at all. The bell rings. Mustache Mountain Chance start already start up. Joe Coffey doesn't budge as Seven starts egging him on. Um, Joe says, right to Seven, this is our kingdom. That fans, of course, disagreed with that statement. Um, Seven starts going after uh, Gallus and keeps uh, Gallus back with quick kicks as he circles with Joe. They finally tie up. They start pushing each other around. Joe puts Seven on the ropes, backs off at four. Referee gets the break. They tie up again and go around a little bit more. Joe finally gets the arm and wrist lock. Then wrenches Seven into a face lock. Seven resists and goes for the leg. Joe then wrenches down that arm again. He shifts back into the waist, the wrist lock. Seven reverses it, only to be put down onto the mat. Joe wrenches the arm across his leg. Seven brings Seven up. Seven breaks free to hit a couple of chops and it hits a kick on Joe. Uh, Joe then shoves Seven away and headbutts the gut of Seven. And Seven's got a lot of gut, so there's not much to miss there. So he suplexes, uh, goes for the suplex. Seven slips out of that. Um, his leg buckles a little bit, of course. I believe it was his left leg um, that had the the knee brace on it. Uh, and of course, you know the bandaid. That's pretty much a sign, you know, for just says, "Attack my leg, take it out." Uh, Joe immediately grins at the sight of that. He runs in after seven, but runs into a knee. He fakes the chop and then hits a DDT immediately right after that. Uh, but he's still showing that that bag leg is slowing him down just a little bit. Seven and Joe crawl and stand. Joe throws Seven out by his beard. Literally grabbed him by his beard and threw him out. Bate keeps Wolfgang and Mark Coffey from doing anything, and the referee has to back all three of them off. Joe leaps out and stomps Seven, and then he throws Seven into the barricade on the outside. He then brings Seven back into the ring, starts talking trash to Tyler, but returns to Seven to throw him out again. Uh, he goes back in again. Seven actually dumps him on the apron. Um, Seven backhands Joe down, and Gallus regroups with their leader. Um, so this was early on a really interesting contest between these two. Further on into the match, um, Joe Coffey goes out to the bad leg uh, in the corner, backs off at four by the referee. Seven drags himself out of the corner, and Joe immediately tackles the leg and lets it buckle. He pulls on the leg again, but the referee, of course, stops him at the count of four. Joe runs back in. Seven dodges it and sends Joe right into the ring post. Fallon started getting behind Seven as he gets his leg moving. He goes after Joe again, hitting him with a chop. Hoist Joe up top. Uh, he starts chopping again before he starts climbing up. He wants to go for the superplex on one leg, and he hits it on one leg. Mind you, doing it with two and having the strength to do it is crazy. Doing it with one leg, it was absolutely a great spot uh, at this point in the match. Goes for the cover, and that got a two count. Fans start rallying back up again. Seven gets up first. He uses the ropes to climb up, but Joe immediately follows. Seven hollows over to chop Joe. He rings Joe out, but Joe ducks. Joe lifts him up, but seven standing switches into a snapdragon suplex. He then hits a suplex to a side slam. That's a presently got a two count. Um, fans are start uh, chanting, this is awesome in the crowd. Seven stands up on his good leg. Seven drags Joe around to go after the leg again. And put locks in the figure four. Uh, then you start hearing the woo chants, of course, for Ric Flair. He works on that leg lock going after Seven's bad knee. 
he endured all of it and immediately reversed it into a reverse figure four leg lock. Actually, no. Yeah, Seven had the leg lock. Joe turns it over, and now Seven's suffering the, the lock. They both roll out to the apron. They separate, and they slowly get up, stand up on the edge. Um, they start brawling on the edge. Joe hits a belly-to-belly off the apron. And I was losing my shit when I saw that. It was insane. Seven crashing down to the ground. Joe immediately drags himself over with a count. Um, he gets in the back of the ring. Um, he leaves Seven for dead on the outside at Seven. Seven starts getting up. It was a. It was at this point where I thought it was going to be a count of victory for Coffee. He somehow gets in before the ten count was administered. He is Joe immediately was pissed off at this point and took it, started taking it right out on Seven with punches and stomps. He hits back with, but it had no little to no effect with the power. Joe tells Seven to stop, trying to back him off. Seven keeps getting up. Now. The end of this match actually saw Seven drag himself into a corner, Joe standing up. They run at each other and collide with clotheslines. Seven hits Joe again, Joe hits him right back. Coffee spins but misses and Seven gets caught in a one-legged dragon suplex. He gets Joe up, puts him in a torture rack, but he can't hold him because of that bad leg. He then Joe Coffee then gets a deadlift German suplex and then hits a spear that sends Seven flying of course, calling it all the best for the Bells. One, two, three. That got the victory for Joe Coffey in this match. This was absolutely fucking fantastic between these two. Adds a little bit of that another layer to that, that feud between British Strong Style and Gallus. I am still waiting for this six-man tag between these two. They gotta have it. They've, this has to happen. Sometime between now and Blackpool. It just needs to go down. Uh, just another part of a battle in the war for NXT UK supremacy. A very, very good episode of NXT UK. I don't think there's been a bad episode yet of NXT UK. There's been good shows. There's been really, really good shows. And there's been really solid shows. This was another great episode of NXT UK. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And then we're going to get into episode 16 of NXT UK. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ash and Smith and Legero taking on Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. Uh, the meeting between Rhea Ripley and Isla Dawn making it official for the NXT UK Championship. Joseph Connors in action. Ginny taking on Sia Brookside. And of course, the main event between Eddie Dennis and Dade, Dave Mastiff. Stay tuned. So let's start rounding third and heading for home and let's talk about episode 16 of NXT UK and they started the night off with tag team action with Ashton Smith and El Ligero teaming up to try to make an impression on Johnny Sate as they went up against Gallus' Wolfgang and Mark Coffey. Now the fans before the start of the match were clearly on the side of Smith and Ligero as of course Gallus is at one hell of a heel stable in NXT UK. So they started off the match with Legero and Wolfgang. Um, match started off. Uh, Legero gets a waist lock to headlock. Wolfgang powers out immediately. Uh, Legero then collides with Wolfgang, and Wolfgang doesn't back down. So Legero drop kicks him in the process. Uh, Wolfgang actually stays up and catches Legero, who went for a crossbody. Uh, he then throws Legero, but Legero lands on his feet to tag in Ashton Smith. So they come in. So Smith comes in. They double drop kick Wolfgang. 
and Smith then sends Wolfgang into the turnbuckle. Smith then drives a knee and tags Liguero, getting these fast tags, trying to keep Wolfgang off kilter. Liguero climbs up to the top, leaps, but Wolfgang blocks the tornado. I think it was the tornado DDT he was going for. He then shoves Liguero at the ropes, and Mark distracts him in the process. Liguero then turns around and into Wolfgang, tackling the ever-loving shit out of Liguero. So Wolfgang tags in Mark. Mark goes after Liguero on the outside, uh, starts hitting him with body shots. Uh, Mark shoves Liguero into the apron, then throws him back into the ring, who proceeds to stomp away on Liguero. He then drags him up to the corner where Wolfgang was and tags in Wolfgang, and they start mugging Liguero. Uh, Wolfgang then snaps, snapmares Liguero into a cover for only got a one count. Uh, Wolfgang starts squeezing Liguero with a, with a bear hug as the fans start rallying behind Liguero. Uh, he feeds off that energy, but Mark gets tagged back in. They start mugging Liguero some more. Uh, then Mark picks up Liguero for a waistlock slam. And then Mark actually follows suit with Wolfgang. He goes for a bear hug. Fans begin, once again start getting left behind Liguero. He gets off of it, and but only to get thrown back down the process. Uh, he then picks up Liguero again and squeezes tighter. Fans start rallying harder behind Liguero. He then gets up, prize the fingers but Mark throws him down again. Mark then tags in Wolfgang. So pretty much at this point, they're trying to keep Liguero down, trying to wear him down and take him out. They continue on to mug Liguero. After some time, uh, Wolfgang has Liguero in a front bear hug now. They were actually had rear bear hugs beforehand. Liguero endures all of that. He throws Liguero at the buckles and tags in Mark, continuing to keep them on their half of the ring. They stop Liguero out. Mark drags Liguero up by his mask horns, which is very gruesome to say the least. Uh, he puts on another bear hug. Liguero endures that. Wolf mocks the fans for going quiet, so they begin to boom in the process. If there's one thing I know Gallus can do, it can definitely get some heat from the crowd. So Liguero begins fighting back against Mark and then fights off, tries to fight Wolfgang. Liguero dumped Wolfgang out and dodges Mark and finally gets the hot tag to Ashton. Smith goes off on Mark. Mark shoves him back. Smith then hits a drop kick on Mark and drops Wolfgang back to the outside. He then hits a leaping lariat on Mark, fires up and runs in corner to corner, but is put down immediately on the apron. Smith then mule kicks Wolfgang away, then hits Mark. He then triangle, what was pretty much a springboard back elbow, knocked Mark to the ground. Surprisingly, that only got a two count. Smith escapes the coup, the scoop slam. Words are hard, guys. And then hits a super kick on Mark, goes for the cover, but Wolfgang drags Smith off of him, breaking up the pin. Wolfgang starts track-stalking Smith. Liguero flies over Smith and in the process shocked Smith to actually have seen Liguero do that to Wolfgang. But Mark comes up behind Smith, gets a waist lock. Smith then standing switches, tries to go for the roll, gets a two-count. Mark then runs Smith over and rocks him with an enziguri, and that was enough for Gallus to get the three-count and the victory. Nice little match for uh, Gallus to start continuing their momentum heading towards the possible NXT Tag Team Championship Tournament. So, it looks like they're, you know, continuing on, rolling onward, and look like they're going to be fighting for those titles. Remains to be seen, of course. Right after the match, Johnny Saint and Sid Scala meet up with Rhea Ripley and Isla Dawn to make the match official. That um, Saint and Smith pretty much say that their match will be official. They'll face off of the title for the first time ever next week. Rhea just walks over, walks in front of Saint and Scala. Isla then looks right across from Rhea, and Rhea simply told her, I'll see you next week. 
So now we finally have the match being official. Dawn versus Ripley. I'm sure it will be the main event of episode 17, and I'm really excited to see that. After that happened, Gallus is celebrating their victory backstage, and you hear Joe Coffey scream. I think it was Mark Art, I believe, that said, that's how it's done. Rodzi comes in for a quick interview. He says they domi- that they dominated Ashton Smith and Liguero, but wasn't enough to impress the GM. Joe Coffey then states, if that's not, then what is? Actually, that was Martin said that, I beg your pardon. He says he's fed up with Mustache Mountain and the Grizzled Young Veterans and says that Gallus is the team to beat. And to be truthfully honest, I can't deny that statement. Joe then says, and that goes for the Bruiserweight. He says that Gallus don't just win, they take. And seeing Pete Dunne with that belt in his mouth, Joe's not just taking it, but ripping it away from him. And even before that, there's Travis Banks. And he promises to squash him like a bug. So, it looks as if Joe Coffey and Pete Dunne may be the main event for NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. I mean, everything's... I mean, we've been talking about this for the past couple of episodes now with this. And I don't be surprised if we get Coffey versus Dunne for the NXT UK... Uh, WWE, I'm sorry... UK Championship in the main event of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, which would be an awesome match. But first, Joe Coffey wants to face Travis Banks one-on-one. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes from there. Right after that, we get Joseph Connors, the righteous killer himself, taking on Jack Stars, who I actually learned was uh, a top pupil of Ronnie Brookside, uh, Robbie Brookside, I'm sorry. I'm going to get killed on Twitter for this, I swear to God. Robbie Brookside, and this was a very, very quick match. And this is from TheChairShot.com. 15 and 16 were from TheChairShot.com, if you're wondering where I'm reading the results from. Uh, the bell rang. Stars immediately ties up with Connors. Connors goes after an ear and throws Star de- Stars down. He then whips Stars and reels him into a quick backbreaker. Stars, of course, is writhing in pain by that after that backbreaker. Connors drags him into the apron for clubbing forearms. Uses the ring count to his advantage as he starts pulling stars against the ring post. He stops the referee's count of four. Gets back in the ring to basement drop kick stars in the post. He's stars at this point is gasping for air while he crawls to the mat. Connor's grinning as he drags stars up again. He picks up. He scoop slams stars. Stars slips out enough to give Connors a couple European uppercuts. Stars then hits him with a drop kick and gets fired up into the crowd. He runs after Connors but runs into a boot. Connors runs back in for a sunset flip into the turnbuckles. He then finishes off Stars with the don't look down driver, and that was enough to get Connors the victory. A pretty quick match just to get Connors some love and give him a little push to keep him relevant. He's definitely going to be a name to look out for as we head into 2019. We then have a backstage interview with Zaya Brookside, and she pretty much just... Uh, was talking about made it to the quarterfinals of the NXT UK Women's Championship Tournament, but was unfortunate was an unfortunate victim to Rhea Ripley. So she's wondering, she's asked, how does she feel going up against Ginny, her opponent, on this episode? She says right now she feels good. She knows that she's not the most experienced, but every chance is an opportunity. So Ginny better be ready to fly. And then Ginny walks in as soon as she says that and looks at Zaya. They have a little stare down. Before their match, ten before their match in episode sixteen. Now this was an interesting segment for me right here, 
I know that we're getting ready towards a uh, tag team tournament for NXT UK. Tyson T-Bone comes out. They were they did like this like like very dark backdrop, and you just see Tyson like have a, like like a shadow on Tyson T-Bone's face. And he said, if you were to describe himself, he used words like violent, destructive, and twisted. And he says he's found someone a lot like himself. And surprisingly, this, and this was a really shock to me. I'm surprised this, I'm, and I'll just explain why in a minute. Saxon Huxley, the former tag team partner and then enemy of Joseph Connors for a little bit, comes out. He says he realized his shadow's roots extend all the way down to the depths of hell. And those dark flames have been burned away, have burned away the dead wood, such as Connors and his own selfishness. He says that he rises from the ashes to align with someone new. T-Bone looks at Hack Huxley and says he sees them climbing up all the way top, all the way to the top. And they both say at the same time to be NXT UK Tag Team Champions. So this is a really interesting duo. Now, I forget the other, oh, I think his name was like Sawyer something. And I was thinking that would be an ta- interesting tag team to see these two, those two were behemoths. But Tyson T-Bone and Saxon Huxley, to me, in my honest opinion, is a very interesting duo. I like, I remember, you know, T-Bone facing Mastiff and them having a little decent feud there. Him going up against Legero. Saxon Huxley, you know, had this little thing with Connors. Of course, he was in a, a tag team match earlier on in the beginnings of NXT UK. I can see this being a very, very dark, heelish tag team. I mean, after the whole Connors deal, you know, Saxon realized, you know, maybe with his own selfishness, he realized the error of his ways. And Tyson T-Bone, I think it could be, these two can be an interesting tag team in the division. I'm curious to see if they'll be on either episode 17 or 18, but I'm really excited to see what these two can do with each other. So then we are getting into Ginny versus Zaya Brookside. This was a nice little match for both of these ladies. I enjoyed this match thoroughly. And definitely when you're trying to get into, you know, the tiers of the women's division, this is definitely them jostling for a position. So in the beginning, Zaya offers a handshake. Ginny immediately kicks it away. So Zaya immediately goes after Ginny with a headlock, gets the takeover and keeps Ginny off the mat, on the mat. Ginny then head scissors and squeezes, but Zaya endures it all. She works her way up to a headstand, holds it for a minute as the crowd, you know, starts to uh, get a little uh, going. And then pops out and, and starts doing a little hip action. A little hip thing. I'm just like, hey. To, to my surprise, I was just like, well, she's got a little sassiness to her. I kind of like that. You know, Ginny, you just grins at her, you know, respecting a little bit of the sass that Zaya brought to the table. That I'm sure all the guys in the crowd were just, you know, popping boners and whatnot, but that's neither here nor there. We ain't got time for that. So the two then tie up again. Jenny gets the arm. Jenny brings Zaya to the mat. Uh, Zaya endures the wrist lock. She gets up and starts hitting back. She uses the ropes to flip through and reverses the wrist lock. That was a nice little move of agility there by Miss Brookside. Jenny then breaks free and hits Zaya with a mean right hand. Jenny then whips Irish, gets the Irish whip. Zaya goes up and boots back. Zaya then baits Ginny into a head scissors, uh, then drop kicks Ginny down and then goes for an Irish whip. She rever- Ginny gets the reversal. Zaya goes up again top of the top rope for a big crossbody, and that only got a two count. 
Now, Zaya knows she almost had her. She keeps going on the attack. Bates Jenny in again, sends her into the corner, but Jenny catches her and hits her with the buckle shot that she calls the fashion disaster. Of course, her being the fashionista kind of makes sense, and I really like the name for that. She goes for the count and goes to recover, and that only got a two count. So the ending of this match saw that saw Zaya getting up um, after the half surfboard that Jenny applied on her. Jenny spins her around, spurs her through, keeps the arm locked. Jenny wrenches it, but flip, Zaya flips through and kicks back. She then hits Jenny with a jawbreaker and then runs into a nice bulldog. Fans start rallying behind Zaya and hits a tilt-a-whirl on Jenny. Runs in for a meteora to the back. Surprisingly, that only got a two-count. Uh, Jenny survives it all, but Zaya's not going to let her get away from this. She grabs a leg and then grabs the other. She gets the arms. And it looks like she was going for like a modified surfboard. But so for some reason, her back gave out. That allowed Jenny to uh, wheelbarrow. She climbs underneath le- uh, Zaya's legs into the ropes. She finished, uh, finishes her off with her finisher known with uh, the rolling kick known as a touch of couture. That was enough to get the victory for Jenny. So that was surprisingly a uh, really interesting match between the two. Um, they had decent chemistry in this match. Crowd definitely behind Zaya. I don't need to see her swiveling her hips anytime soon. She's only 20. I can't even buy her a drink yet. I'm just saying. I'm just going to put it out there. She's very attractive. Very nice young girl. She needs to stop that shit. I even said that to her. I said that after the match. I was like, that girl needs to stop. Anywho, getting back into the swing of things. The Grizzled Young Veterans head to the ring to do a little bit of a promo. So, Gibson takes to the mic and says they may have stayed out of the fight between Gallus and British Strong Style, but they still want to go after the NXT UK Tag Team titles. So he says, You saw a glimpse, a tiny bit of what we can do last week when we made light work, easy work, of Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. That's just the tip of the iceberg. And together, they are soon to be recognized as the very first NXT UK Tag Team Championships Fans start booing him, jeering him, talking shit. Gibson simply drops the mic, and that was the end of that segment. And do not discount Gibson and Drake for one second. They are a formidable tag team. They are for, they are former NXT, um, not NXT, my goodness, former Progress tag team champions. They have championship pedigree for sure. So I wouldn't. So if you, I'm not gonna say there's a hierarchy, but if you want to look at the hierarchy, it's Gallus. British Strong Style, Grizzle Young Veterans, and everyone else falls into line after that. So before the match, Eddie Dennis had a little bit of a uh, vignette. He said that NXT UK meant the, means the world to him. It allows him to apply his true skills of manhandling athlete after athlete. He says that he wants to build this brand around him and that he has everything to prove. And we are now in the main event of the evening between Eddie Dennis and Dave Mastiff, two undefeated dudes, two big lads. And you know, I love me some big lads wrestling. Big lads wrestling, my goodness. Big lads wrestling. Hashtag big lads wrestling. We need to make that a thing on Twitter. I'm going to try to start that very, very soon. I'm trying to make that a thing, guys. So the bell rings and the two stare each other down. Immediately, the fans are on the side of Mastiff yelling to Dennis, Mastiff's gonna kill you. They tie up and Mastiff immediately powers Dennis into the corner. Mastiff are already showing off his power. 
Referee counts, and the two separate at four. Dennis keeps his guard up as he circles Massive again, pretty much, you know, keeping his hands up just in case Massive wants to throw at him. He then clubs Massive and hits him with a couple of body shots and puts on a headlock. Massive powers out as they collide. Going Dennis going for the shoulder block, nothing. Massive didn't even move once, not even for five seconds. He tries it again, nothing. No shoulder block. Massive was pretty much telling him, nah, uh, uh, no, 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 no. So Dennis then kicks him, it's a kick to the stomach, hits a couple of forearms, goes off the ropes, and Massive, all 300 pounds of this massive beast, hits a drop kick. Now, I believe it was the match with Wild Boar Mike Hitchman where I said, uh, this man has the ability of a heavyweight, but can do some things like a cruiserweight. Massive's a beast, man. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, man, I love these big dudes in 2018 that are able to do things like Massive does. So Massive starts throwing some hands of his own, clubs Dennis into a corner. Dennis crawls, but Massive sort of begins to loom over him, drives elbow after elbow into Dennis's chin, and Dennis goes down from the shots. Massive starts to laugh a little bit as he picks Dennis up. Dennis starts fighting back, gives him a couple European uppercuts. Runs for Massive to follow, then Dennis gets tackled with a flying crossbody. Massive aims again, tries to go for it. I believe it was another crossbody, but actually, no, it was the back senton um, going for the combination. He misses that. He goes out of the way, and Massive falls on his back. Dennis runs to boot Massive out of the ring. Dennis wants the count out victory as Massive stirring. Massive gets him to the apron at the five count. Dennis boots him back down to the mat again. He still wants that count out victory, but the referee has to begin from one. Massive gets up at five, and he gets back to the ring at seven. Dennis boots Massive again, but Massive actually survived the boot and stayed up from the shot. Massive grins at Dennis, so Dennis goes slides underneath the uh, bottom rope, trips him up, has him fall face first into the apron. He starts kissing Massive around into the, in the corner and then starts mugging him against the barriers. Fans start rallying behind Mastiff as Dennis throws him back in the ring. Dennis stomping and punching him away in the corner. Throws him into the other corner, repeats the process. Puts Massive into the, in a cravat. Massive resists and breaks free to start throwing forearms at Dennis. He then whips after Dennis, uh, tries to run into the corner but misses the shot. Dennis starts clubbing Massive in the back and drives an elbow over and over again. Puts back on the cravat hold as fans start trying to rally behind Massive once again. Dennis wrenches harder as Massive try to, tries to endure the hold. He starts driving in a knee. And you start hearing chants of, let's go, Eddie, Eddie sucks. So you're starting to hear dual chants from the crowd here. Massive powers out and starts throwing counter punches. Massive backs Dennis down and rocks him with a European uppercut, followed by a headbutt that knocked Dennis down to the mat. Only got a two count there. Massive then runs into a couple, runs in after Dennis, eats a boot. Uh, Dennis hops up, but Massive clubs him with a mean right. Uh, he then climbs up to join Dennis now at the top rope. And I and the one detail I liked, I heard from uh, Nigel McGinnis that actually made me chuckle a little bit. For a suplex. I don't know if the ring's able to hold this man. Hold this man. Mastiff hits a superplex off the top rope. Referee administer starts beginning uh, administering a tank count. Both men get up before the tank count is completed. And Dennis starts hitting first at Mastiff. They begin to brawl back and forth while the fans are dueling, cheering for Mastiff and booing Dennis. Mastiff hits Dennis with a, with a shot. 
Uh, Dennis comes back with many forearms. Mastodon hits back, but Dennis goes for the low knee, low knee. He runs into a fireman's carry, a rope, then a rolling senton into a back senton, goes for the cover, and now we got a two count. Massive stalking him at this point. He picks up Dennis, hits a German suplex, bridges it, but surprisingly gets a two count. I actually thought that was the end of the match there. Dennis crawls into a corner. Massive goes corner to corner, but into a scoop. Swinging side slam. The strength of Dennis on display brings him down to the mat. That got a two count. Dennis picks up Massive. Massive backdrops him right away. Massive sucked Dennis. Dennis gets to the ropes. Uh, Before Massive could get him, he tried to back away. Dennis sucker punches Massive. Hits him with another sucker punch. Mastiff, at this point, is pissed off. He yanks Dennis into the ropes. Dennis crawls to the corner. Mastiff puts him on the top rope. Mastiff clubs after Dennis, climbs up again. Dennis begins to fight back but and bumps Mastiff off the turnbuckles. He gets around behind. Dennis uses the corner for help in, and gets up Mastiff. Mastiff slips out. Dennis spins him for a clothesline. That got a two count. At this point, both men are exhausted, but this ain't over yet. So... The end of the match had seen Dennis getting up first, grabbing Mastiff. Mastiff snap mares and hits a couple headbutts. Hits another German suplex. Dennis ends up in the corner in prime position for that cannonball senton. He said bombs away, hits into the void, covers Dennis. One, two, three. Somebody's O had to go, and on this night, Dennis's O is now one. The Bomber defeats Eddie Dennis and is still undefeated in NXT UK. This was a fun little episode of NXT UK. Both episodes were very, very solid. Of course, continuing the storyline between Gallus and British Strong Style. Joseph Connor is getting some more action in. Seeing Eddie Dennis and Mastiff go one-on-one to keep their undefeated streak alive was awesome. Uh, seeing the tag team division still forming. Uh, I'm excited to see what Tyson T-Bone and Saxon Huxley are going to do. I hope to see them, you know, next uh, this coming Wednesday on NXT UK. Eichner and Webster, another great opening match. Fucking fantastic. Uh, Flash Morgan Webster, of course, getting the victory. Maybe we see Morgan and Flash Morgan Webster... And Mark Andrews in a tag match against Eichner and uh, partner of his choosing. Uh, definitely would make sense, of course, heading into a tag team tournament. Uh, Jordan, Jordan and Williams, I will say, although they're an odd tag team, they work very well together. And I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Like I said, man, NXT UK just has it. They just honest, honestly have it. I mean, I'm, I'm always impressed every single time. You know, they put on these shows. It just it just speaks it just speaks to the I wouldn't say the uh, the creativity of the teams over in NXT UK, but it def uh, just the fact that they are so much like NXT that you get these like matches that come out of nowhere, you're thinking like this could be an interesting matchup, and then it turns out to be a fucking great match. Um I'm I don't know exactly what will happen down the line. I'm I'm interested to see what they do with uh, Mastiff going forward. That's the biggest takeaway um, I saw from these two episodes. What are they going to do with Dave Mastiff now? 
Is he going to be the next in line after uh, possibly Joe Coffey? Um, for the NXT UK Championship, he's still undefeated. And I think he could have a great match for the NXT UK title for sure. Um, so we'll see what everything goes going forward with that. That is your episode 16 review of NXT UK. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 34 of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, whatever time you may be checking out this podcast, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it as always. Now, if you don't check me out on the Anchor app, and why don't you? This is probably the up and coming app for podcasting in the game right now. You can check out any episode of the podcast, including this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lion Perspective on any of those platforms and you should have no problem finding the show whatsoever. If you want to keep up to date on anything I'm doing in terms of the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at SwayCenterWWI and on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Follow me on those platforms and stay up to date on anything that's going on with the show. Now, on tomorrow's podcast, I'm going to be opening up the show talking about the opening segment of Raw tonight. I know I said I wasn't going to be watching Raw, but there, there's rumors of a possible shake-up, and I'm doing that in air quotations like a motherfucker. Uh, Vince McMahon, of course, with all the bullshit ratings that have been going down and the 2.19 rating that happened last week, he is showing up to try to bolster ratings for the show, and we all see right through it. You know it, and I know it. That's why he's coming back. But we'll see what happens, and we will discuss that in the opening segment of the show tomorrow. And also talking about, of course, the TLC review that went down last night. Guys, enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy Raw if you are planning on watching it. Sacramento, please, and I said this on my Instagram video, give Vince McMahon hell. Treat him the same way you treated Roman Reigns the night after WrestleMania when he defeated The Undertaker. Give him that same energy you gave Roman that night. And that's for Sacramento out there. Guys, enjoy the rest of your night. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk about TLC Review on the Young Lions Perspective. Until then, see you.